1: Hello, hello, and happy holidays from ZZ Talk. Now that we're into December, it's time to really dig into the holiday uh, film season. And we are starting the Christmas season off. Maybe we're starting it off. I think maybe last week we started it off with the Guardians of the Galaxy special. But this week we actually have a movie. And it is a classic movie uh, that probably you've never heard of. It's probably a a new tale, uh, not based on a book, Something completely inventive for 2022. And that is, this week's episode is all about Disney's A Christmas Carol. Noah, have you ever heard of it?
0: Uh, Yes, we've watched many iterations from The Muppets to uh, Patrick Stewart's uh, TNT uh, Christmas Carol. We've watched uh, quite a few Christmas special versions of it. And of course, uh, I believe you just watched uh, Reimagining in a contemporary uh, sort of sense so
1: oh spirited yeah no i don't recommend that
0: yeah um yeah this movie obviously it's uh based off of uh charles dickens classic or is it mark twain it's
1: charles dickens it, no it's charles dickens
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know famous uh 18th century authors you know um but either way um it's it it was interesting because i remember my mom and my brother seeing this movie back in 2009 huh? um it's was kind of a technical marvel at the time because it was fully animated very much in the style of the polar express Uh, avatar also came out that year so it was a big uh, time of cgi 3d and um, you know just kind of making the biggest movie that you could so at this point in time there had been many iterations of it but not quite necessarily on the scale so um, well let me yeah sorry go ahead Oh, I I thought it was super interesting. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, uh, he directed this, and he's known for Back to the Future, who framed Robert Rabbit and, of course, Forrest Gump as well. And it has quite a uh, talented cast of characters,
1: and I'll let you get into that if you are going to go over the synopsis. I am going to go over the synopsis. Of course, when I started, I was being sarcastic because this is uh, one of the most beloved uh, stories, I think, ever written and has been adapted literally hundreds of times i think into uh many a different type of media so though uh london awaits the joyful arrival of christmas miserly ebenezer scrooge in this case played by jim carrey thinks it's all humbug berating his faithful clerk and cheerful nephew for their view later scrooge encounters the ghost of his late business partner who warns that three spirits will visit him this night the ghosts take Scrooge on a journey through his past, present, and future in hope of transforming his bitterness. So let me just ask you this. Well, I've shared the synopsis. So mm-hmm. in, in just about every listener um, of our many, many listeners know the synopsis and the story here. But Noah, I want to know, uh, you already shared a little bit about the fact that your mom and your brother saw this in 2009. Funny enough, you and I both missed it. And and I have to say, I want to I get your take first on how you approached watching this film? Um, It was one that was always in the back of my mind
0: for the Christmas season. I wasn't necessarily ever planning on watching it at any point. Um, I knew it had received mixed reception, but at the same time, it's a Christmas carol. So how bad or, you know, poorly done can a movie really be? Um, You know me, I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan, but obviously I get around to most of them. We've seen Scrooged, which uh, features Bill Murray and did not like that, which was kind of the send up of the same tale. But um, this movie It had always been on my radar, but I think we missed it for a reason because you and I, I don't think we wanted to see it at the time. I think we watched Sherlock Holmes that month instead of uh, going to see this one. And I remember they came out of the theater, uh, uh, my mom and Luke, and they weren't that impressed. I remember my mom saying it was very dark and it was uh, kind of a, you know, the tone was not nearly as light and family friendly as some people might think. But also, I know that A Christmas Carol is. Uh, very, very much inspired slightly by horrific elements, because it is a dark tale that also comes to fruition with a lot of light at the end and joy. So you know, it's a cautionary tale of many things. And I know that this movie did that to the letter and didn't really shake up the formula too much. But um, going in, I was pretty interested to see how it would turn out. But I'm just not a huge animation all the way person, you know, cgi all the way kind of guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i have to say that i was really glad that we neither one of us had seen this so that we could watch this for the pod and and you know i I know i mentioned we're kicking off the christmas season or the holiday season but really we're not because of last week's episode but this is a a full-blown let's face it this is the classic christmas tale beyond what i believe is the real reason for christmas right Mm -hmm. and so I approached this film with a little bit of trepidation because one, I know the story. Two, I didn't want to see it in 2009. Um, Three, I've seen a million adaptations of this. Mm. Four, I don't really love animation either. Five, I'm not a big fan of Jim Carrey. (laughs) Um, Six, I know you don't love Christmas movies, um, but I was a little apprehensive in going into it for all of those reasons. Um, and when you're ready, I will tell you what I thought. I am absolutely ready. Okay. Um, I have to tell you that I really, really liked this movie. I thought this version, I'm going to call it the definitive version of a Christmas Carol. I I'm not a big fan of CGI as I've, as I've mentioned, but I thought this worked on almost. And let me say that again, almost every level. I thought Jim Carrey was fantastic in it. I thought the, um, the script, if you will, was as close to the actual narrative of the book. Mm-hmm. Not that I've read the book, but I've, I've actually heard that this is a very you know close uh, rendition, if you will, or, or you know use of the actual uh, language in the book. I, I thought overall, aside from some pacing issues, especially in the latter half of it, mm-hmm. probably the latter third. I know exactly uh, what you're saying it was quite outstanding. I, I got 30 minutes into it. And I said to your mom, this is great. And and, you know, she she likes movies more than I do. So she, I think she was pleased to hear me say that. So overall, I got to say, I'm all on board for this. And, and remember, I, I have seen some really good versions of this and some really not good versions of this. This, I think, is a is a pretty remarkable achievement. Well, great. That's wonderful to hear, because I know that sometimes
0: you uh, sometimes your opinions on movies are uh, very much against the grain of what a lot of people say. But uh, you're, actually it again. Kind of, you're kind of continuing this tradition as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it's good to hear that you really like this one. I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was sensational. I appreciated a lot of what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Um, They added creativity in a way where they made it its own movie, you know, in a sea of adaptations of a similar nature. But at the same time, I thought they were incredibly faithful to the book. I mean, even the language itself was um, very much much of its time. Um, I thought the flow of it was exactly um, how it was like in the book. And I think additionally, when we watch these adaptations, we were talking about the tone earlier. I think that sometimes they make it a little bit too lighthearted, in a sense, and in many ways, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is supposed to go through this transformation, he's supposed to be scared and truly see like the horrific um, things that can happen as a result of his actions over time. And it really puts a mirror to him. And I thought in this movie, you know, there's a lot of hard truths that he faced and that came off on screen in a darker way that I can't appreciate, especially for a Disney movie. Um, So it's pretty interesting. I thought Jim Carrey uh, was very good. I like Jim Carrey. I know most people who don't love him probably aren't in love with the physicality of his acting nature. They probably find it a little bit grating, but I think he's a really talented guy because he actually... Did multiple voice roles
1: in this film, and yeah, your uh,
0: mom identified that pretty early on. And yeah, she wasn't
1: even watching it with me, but
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think there had to be some element of motion capture to this because Colin Firth was in this movie, and you can definitely tell that uh, oh, who his character sure. was, his nephew. So, in a, in many ways, I thought the physicality was there, but perhaps you could separate it enough from Jim Carrey if you don't like him, because I thought he was extremely talented, and my own view of him is that you know he's one of the talented comedians and entertainers of our time. And I thought he did a really good job here. And I thought this was just the perfect way to showcase his talent. And uh, similarly, I thought Gary Oldman as um, uh, Bob Cratchit and yeah. um, uh, Colin Firth as
1: uh, his nephew were uh, very good as well. Don't um, you think there was some motion capture there for um, for Jim Carrey though? I mean, Ebenezer Scrooge. One well, I'm, think, well, I'm thinking there had been,
0: which is why I was praising, you know, a lot of people don't love the physicality and his routines, generally speaking. But when he's motion captured, there's a lot to go by here. And I think there was an element of that for sure, especially with a movie that was this expensive. I think it cost, oh man, $200 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it only made about $350 million
1: at the box office. So it was a disappointment. Um, but it is one of the highest grossing Christmas movies ever made. Right, right. Um, but then again, how many Christmas movies have a budget of this size? Yeah, you know, I, I think we should really transition transition into spoilers pretty quickly here. But I, I would just say that um, I, I would say this film was kind of risky for two thousand nine. In that? that, well, first of all, uh, I don't know what year the Polar Express was two thousand four, two thousand five. I think it was two thousand four or five. Okay, um, so I think obviously CGI or this kind of animation, computer generated information, uh, uh, animation had come a long way mm-hmm. between. 2004 and 2009 um, because let's face it the polar express is is a little awkward um, and and the conventional wisdom refers to it as awkward as um what's the word that people use uncomfortable creepy creepy yeah it kind of looked a little uncanny valley yes. uh, at this point in time and we That's had made lots of strides by the time we got to 2009 um for for this version of it but i'm just saying i think it was risky in that they spent all that money on it Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it was a story that everybody everybody knows, right? I mean, yeah, and it's yeah. certainly not a film for children. You know, it it's
0: funny because I guess Luke saw this when he was 10, 9, maybe. Um, and I I wonder what if he remembers much of it, but I do remember the um them talking about how it was like a little bit darker. But yeah, the Polar Express is interesting. And I was actually thinking as I was watching this film. I'm sure this looked amazing back in the day, and some of it looked a little bit dated to me, Um, even so now. Obviously, the movie's 13 years old, um, but at the same time, I was marveling at just how they were able to do that for a tale that was told over and over, which, to what you were saying, was risky in many senses, but um, it's even crazier to see from- Uh, Pixar or Illumination, the types of movies that they're making, just how far animation has come. I mean, it is something else entirely. Um, So I I thought that it was cool to sort of see it from the perspective of all the way back then, but some of it did look a little bit dated to me, a little bit plasticky, uncanny valley here and there, but, you know, leaps and bounds over the Polar Express.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move into spoilers here. I mean, I'm not sure there's a whole lot to spoil, given that this story is so familiar to so many Also, Robert Um, Zemeckis did uh, direct the Polar Express. He did. He did. Yeah, he's I mean, he's a noted director. There's no question. And I just think that uh, overall, this is a pretty remarkable achievement for 2009. And honestly, for 2022, it is it is going to be um, my go to version of A Christmas Carol that in The Muppets Christmas Carol going forward.
0: So, yeah, interesting. uh,
1: Yeah. So let's move into spoilers. Let's talk a little bit about um, some things that you liked or you didn't like. Sure.
0: Um, Let's let's start off with the things that we liked, because I think we're going to agree on the things that we did not. Um, First of all, I thought it was creative how they stuck faithfully to the source material, but add some liberties here and there. I loved it in the beginning where you see Jacob Marley in his coffin with the coins on his eyes, because that's what they did sometimes back in the day. And then immediately without much dialogue sets up who Scrooge is and just how miserly he also has become at that point in time. He even takes those coins off of his former business partner of many years eyes and keeps them for himself before the coffin is eventually shut. I thought that was a really strong start and a good way to sort of set up all of his um, uh, his little antics uh, as he went on because You know, we know who Scrooge is. We know who all these people are. But I think what makes these movies uh, different from one another is who is playing that person and how they can make those small little intricacies uh, or details even better. So I thought that was a really good part of it um additionally i thought the voice work was very good overall and i enjoyed uh the nephew who was played by colin firth i thought he got um some good screen time uh here and there and he was a good foil to scrooge because at the end of the day the only villain in this movie was ebenezer himself and i thought they did a really good job of making um yeah basically this movie is about you know the people who were struggling and a in a time where there were very little workers rights or, you know, all that kind of uh, deal. And, you know, the mindset of being rich and miserly, especially on a generous time like Christmas. So I really appreciated how they, they talk negatively about Scrooge, but they always, they always made their best effort to be kind to him and welcome him for the holidays. So I appreciated how it had a genuine spirit of sort of clashing with that darker tone, but also, there was joy in this movie, and I, I did appreciate that. Um, additionally, I thought the pacing was pretty solid for the most part. There were good character moments that described everything um, pretty well. But uh, overall, I thought that the movie had a good length as well. Uh, it was about an hour, uh, an hour and a half and some change or something like that. Hour but, and 36, yeah. Yeah, Um I just think the performances were pretty rock solid here. And I thought the diversity of set pieces, the colors, the lights, the sort of magicalness of uh, many parts of the movie were done really well. And I think that's appropriate for something that is related to Christmas and also for sort of giving life or revitalizing a tale that's old as, um, you know, this one. So that's what I liked about the movie.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I agree with just about everything you said. I, it was visually stunning. It, you know, the set pieces were great. The The voice acting is really, I think, pretty spectacular. Um, you know, I, I think that um, one of the things I I think I appreciated the most about it was it didn't try to do, frankly, much new. And I appreciate that. You know, just tell me the story give it to me and all its earnestness and make it visually interesting. And I think it succeeded on, on all those levels. Um, you know, there are, there are some adaptations I've seen so many that toward the end, you see Scrooge actually go to Bob Cratchit's house mm-hmm. and they're, and I, I, I almost missed that in this particular um, version of it. But I thought that the conclusion of this, the way they sort of, and well, the way they ended it, was really well done, too. I mean, you know, Bob Cratchit just, you know, looks at the camera and says, and he held to his word. And he was as good to Tiny Tim and our family as he said he would be. And I just thought, you know, this is a, this is a cartoon and this is. is a story I have seen a thousand times, but your mom said she looked over at me and I was, I was smiling and I really was, I was really, my heart, my heart was warmed by that. And I thought, well, I knew, I know what happens. I've seen Does your heart story. grow 10 sizes. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> although I'm not the Grinch, but I, I, I really liked this movie. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we uh, observed that we thought we would improve if we made the movie. <laughs> well, I won't pretend that I'm any sort
0: of director or creative visionary like Robert Zemeckis himself, but I think obviously there's some things that we thought could have been better here. Um I just want to say chase sequences in movies are rarely necessary and oftentimes just a drag. And the third act of this movie before he actually, you know, came back into himself during Christmas Day with the ghost of uh Christmas future. Yes. Um, that was the most disappointing part um because i felt like in many ways the movie had that darker tone well before the ghost of christmas future and it was really just a shadow of himself uh-huh. i i i kind of tuned out a little bit when he was running from the horses and he was tiny and he was just you know it, i i felt like it didn't have that substance and that sort of home run that it needed to get the point home because at the at that point in time i think that he knew the deal after the ghosts of Christmas past and present. So it seemed to me as if this was kind of disappointing and the way that it was done, because it was just, it was a little silly. It kind of went into that big budget territory that these, it just didn't need that action. You know, I, I felt like it had to sort of have that whimsical chase sequence that went on for far too long and ultimately just wasn't very engaging. So I, I, I thought that part of the movie was, um, um, I thought that part of the movie was just not really for me. And also Christmas present, he did some belly laughs like far too often in the beginning. And overall, I thought it was kind of weird that he was looking down at the floor to see what was happening in the present. But that was just like a slight nitpick for
1: me. Um, we must be related because I think just about everything you said is what I would say as well. Um, I've always felt like the story drags a little bit with the ghost of Christmas present. Um, It's sort of this um, jovial kind of Mm -hmm. character, which, frankly, the demise of the Ghost of Christmas Present was pretty terrifying if I was a kid. Um, Oh, yeah. There are some sequences. I know we've said this, but there are are some very uh, distinct sequences in this film that if I was a child watching it, I would be scarred. (laughs) And, <laughs> yeah,
0: it was. I, I thought that was done really well. The end of uh, uh, Christmas present because I think it the setup for Christmas future was far better than the actual execution. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, the other thing I would say is the transition from Ghost of Christmas Present to Ghost of uh, Christmas Yet to Come was way, way too long. And I think that's what you're saying too. I mean, there was just a transitional period where he became tiny, and I thought, why does he have to become tiny? I don't remember that element of the the film before, and maybe that was just sort of a, well, let's try something different here because we haven't had that. But I didn't think it was necessary. I didn't understand why his voice, you know, he, why he just became someone who could fit through pipes in, in in downtown London and things like that. I don't know. It was just it it didn't seem necessary. I wouldn't say it was necessarily detracting but it was it, it slowed things down I think they could have shaved 10 minutes off this film uh, and, and I think sometimes uh, filmmakers are required to deliver a film that's at least X amount of minutes mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's what happened here we felt like the fantastical was necessary so we we sort of blew it up and,
0: um, and yeah because not- I felt like obviously um, 1800s London is pretty drab um, and I feel as if that they just needed to sort of showcase, I guess, the animation a little yeah. bit more and just like how much could be done with it, which yeah. is fine, but I don't know, maybe we sounds like uh Scrooges ourselves, but, um, I, for, for some reason, I just, I just kind of rolled my eyes when that started mm. happening. It, it probably was maybe five minutes, but I, I, I
1: mean, I was, I was kind of tuned out during that yeah. point in time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to say one more thing before we grade this one out, um, and I'm just going to say, if you think about it, if you think about the English language and you hear the word Scrooge, you, you know what Scrooge means. It means a miser, right? Mm-hmm. But think about this word that didn't exist prior to this particular piece of literature, right? Right. It's how you describe somebody. So it's how you describe. So that's how powerful this piece of literature is that it permeates, uh, you know, the way we look at the world and the way we describe people and, and all that. So a Scrooge is someone who is miserly sort of, um, you know, I don't know. Unpleasant crotchety. Yeah, there you go. Humbug, right? There's another term, right? There are some terms that are uh, right from the page. In, in this uh, right from the the book itself that are in this film, but I thought just really well done and cleverly worded and it just reminded me of the power of language mm-hmm. and how what this film has done to our understanding of characteristics of people since this was created. So oh, yeah. I think that makes it alone, you know a worthy a worthy piece of, of media, a worthy piece of literature uh, and an overall valuable experience.
0: Yeah, it's an enduring classic for sure. And I think it just goes to show how strong the source material is uh, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, Yeah. imagine that Charles Dickens coming up with strong source material.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably one of the
1: strongest pieces of literature, certainly one of the greatest pieces of nonfiction ever written. I'm sorry. Yeah. Greatest pieces of fiction ever written. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's based on someone. I don't know. Anyway, Noah, on a scale of one to five Zs, what are you going to give Disney's A Christmas Carol? How many Zs?
0: I would probably give it three and a half Zs. I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. I definitely enjoyed it. It was much better than the critics gave it credit for. And I think retroactively, more people are starting to uh, appreciate this movie uh, as it is now. Um, overall, you know, it had its uh, ups and downs, but It's for something that could have just been the same old thing, just with a a coat of paint that is the CGI that they had. I thought it did an incredibly good job of uh, being faithful to its source material while also being suitably magical in many moments and uh, telling a similar but unique story in its own right that I really appreciated in many
1: parts. So, yeah, great. Yep. I would give it uh, I'm going to give it four Z's. I think, uh, as I've said, I think twice already during this pod, it is now my go-to for A Christmas Carol. Loved it. Really, really thought it was well done. Um, We'll probably fast forward through five minutes transition time between The Ghost of Christmas Present and The Ghost of Christmas Mm -hmm. Yet to Come. But overall, um, a really worthwhile hour and 36 minutes. So um, that's our review of... Disney's A Christmas Carol. You can watch it, not surprisingly, on Disney+. Mm -hmm. And we both recommend it. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's move into Check It Out. Um, So it's interesting. Obviously, this might sound like it's uh, obvious. But my Check It Out for today is A Muppet's Christmas Carol, if you haven't watched it. Because
1: that is just an
0: amazing movie.
1: And I think- Conventional wisdom is that that is among the best adaptations ever. And I think
0: not only is it family friendly, so everybody can watch it. I think it's also just the best Muppets sort of thing that's out there, uh, or at least one of them. Um, it, it's got really good music as well. I remember we had the soundtrack on uh, CD at uh, some point in time that was in our closet. And um, it's just it's just one of those movies that, you know, it has that Muppet feel. It makes you it makes you joyous. It has a lot of childlike wonder, but at the same time, it gives a great lesson with a really wonderful cast of characters in this sense, the Muppets. So um it, it's it, it's very nice that um, it, it's very nice that, you know, I can recall this movie so fondly after having not seen it for so many years. But if you haven't given it a chance or you have uh, people you want to watch it with, Definitely check it out. It's it's a great movie. The Muppets are also owned by Disney, so I'm sure it's on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus.
1: Yeah. Well, you know that's interesting. You say that. I, I completely agree. It's a great version of it. But have mm-hmm. you ever seen the Muppet movie from 1979? Mm-hmm. That I, I would say it's in the top. Uh, if I had a list of top twenty movies, it would absolutely be in the top twenty. So I'm just saying, in terms of Muppet media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your heart the muppet verse <laughs> the, the, the muppet the multiverse yeah the muppet cinematic universe yeah yeah i'm going to tell you the muppet movie is 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 kind of amazing so anyway okay my check it out is a movie that i watched over two nights on peacock and i was delighted that my brother told me that it was available and it's uh what is it ticket to paradise mm-hmm. so this is the film that's currently in theaters it's with um george clooney whose movies are terrible in my opinion and um Julie Roberts. Uh And uh, it is the quintessential rom-com. There is nothing at all surprising about this film. But it is a good time. And it's great to see two real movie stars um, just enjoying themselves in a really good-looking film. Uh, Not a lot of language. Again, very predictable. Um, You know what's going to happen. The, the way getting there the way to get to the conclusion has very few bumps and bruises and overall it's you know it, is it a is it a five on a scale of one to five z's no um but is it worth watching absolutely because frankly julia roberts is a movie star beyond um beyond most so yeah take paradise on peacock
0: yeah i've heard a lot about that movie i except for i guess the actual title but I think Julia Roberts is seeing a bit of a resurgence from uh, people my age because uh, she is a critical darling, that's for sure. And well, I, uh, I think the public is, likes her a lot too. She's, all you
1: have to do is watch this movie to see. I mean, she she is so much better than everybody else in this movie. It's just so clear. Your mom and I, we we finished it. She had already seen it in the theater. And um, it was just so obvious that there's only one person to to watch in this film, and it's Julia Roberts, and she does it so naturally.
0: Well, yeah, well, people love her. And I think she's one of those few celebrities uh, who's endured so long without really any scandals to my uh, knowledge. And I thought she was excellent in Erin Brockovich. So
1: I have only positive things to say about her as well. Good. So anyway, Ticket to Paradise on Peacock. Check it out. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps another episode of ZZ Talk, um, but it's still December and will be for at least two more episodes this month. And we will not take a week off just because it's the holidays. In fact, we may record an episode or two in person. So, Noah, tell our listeners what next week's film review is.
0: Hmm, that is a good question. Um, I believe it is Krampus. Is that correct?
1: Oh, I believe it is. We're It's a little bit of a departure for us, a, a different style of christmas movie i think it's right? not a departure at all it's a horror movie um <laughs>
0: well
1: for, for christmas
0: <laughs> yeah for christmas. Well, we, we had to we had to find a way to uh get one of our favorite genres into right. the christmas season but yeah this one is uh obviously it was uh well liked when it came out around 2014 or 15 and we haven't seen it so it's time to uh get the official zz talk opinion on it
1: but and yeah, it's also an opportunity for me to say we're doing something different since you know that's one of my zz talk tropes right Exactly. Um, But I mean, technically, we are doing something different every single
0: uh, every single week. So I like to think that this will also be a nice little shake up as we go into uh, really uh, what is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas uh, during this time of year.
1: You're going to start singing for us, Noah?
0: Uh, I will not be doing that and I will not be partaking in any uh, holiday music either. But I will allow you to do that as I share the joy of Christmas time with you
1: later on. Well, it'll be, it'll be it'll be that much more joyful because we'll be together.
0: Well, there we go. All right. There you go. Um, So you want to close this out since you
1: so wonderfully led this episode? There you go. There you go. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for joining us for ZZ Talk. We will be back next week. And until then, I am Greg. I'm Noah. And this is ZZ Talk.